All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Today's episode of This Week at Marvel is brought to you by Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash marvelpod and use promo code marvelpod to save $3 off your Marvel gears and goods subscription today. And now, on to the show. Hey, that sounded real professional. It's like I've read it from a paper. Yeah. I'm VP and Executive Editor Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Editorial Director of Digital Media, Ben Morse. And we've got with us... You want to shout from over there? Angelica Lopez, social media intern. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our intern's here. This is episode 285 of This Week in Marvel. We've got a whole ton of comics. There's all kinds of stuff. Not a lot of news this week. Not a lot of news. At least from the comic week. side. Yeah. We, um, last week on the news section, we talked to Jordan D. White about the Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe Again comic that's coming out. Yep. And uh, that kind of was the news of this week. We're yeah. still getting that. But next week, C2E2. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff coming down the pike. Sure. Uh, we'll have more to talk about next week for yeah, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to dive into the new comics out this week, print and digital, collection, single issues, and uh, get to your questions and comments by the end. But first up, we'll talk a little bit about Black Panther and the crew number one. Oh, man. I love this book. So good. Man, yeah, it's uh, written by Tanahasi Coates, uh, pencils by Butch Geis, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Dan Brown. It is uh, just the, the launching point of this book, but if you've been reading Black Panther, you know that this crew formed uh, recently. I like what you did there. Yep, as Black Panther sort of brought in some of his friends, some of his allies to help with some uh, some things going on in Wakanda. But this, really, like the crux of this uh opens up in 1957 in the Bronx, and I don't know if any of these characters are established or new. No, these are new characters. They're awesome. This I'm pretty like, sure. they. It's, it's Ta-Nehisi Coates clearly has a fertile imagination because he came up with some great new characters to populate the world of Black Panther and the crew. Yeah, so in, in the 50s, you've got this crew of uh, essentially, I wouldn't call them heroes for hire, um, but they no. are they're sort of like they're mercs. for hire yeah they're definitely for hire this this team they've they've got superpowers um, but they're doing uh, a job for the mafia essentially or the mob uh, the magia the magia isn't that, isn't that what we usually right. do instead of the mafia yes uh, the it's magia. like how we have hydra instead of nazis they're different-ish. Yeah. yeah they're different enough they're different enough um, especially like as we see the in. You know, their ideology is very yeah, split in, very much in so. the current comics. Yes. Anyway. Good uh, point, Ryan. Yes. Um, but, you know, you get these cool characters. Um, the We had the Gates, Gloss, um, all led by Ezra, um, this one dude. Um, there's just a bunch of cool characters in here established. Uh, but they flip the tables. Flip it over. On the Magia dudes because the Magia are... They're scum. They're jabrones. They're the worst. They're running drugs and running bad stuff into the Bronx, and this team was there to stop it. Mm -hmm. Then we shoot forward into current day uh, as 
Ezra, the character who we met in the beginning, um, he has been um, he's been killed Dead in prison. It. He's an older man. Um, he was uh, he was an activist. Mm-hmm. He was very vocal, all about civil rights and local politics and stuff. And um, he was killed while in prison, which sets off a whole like firestorm. And especially living in New York City, this is this felt very real. This felt very like. I don't want to. I hate to say normal, true to life, though. Um, but it's very true to life. I like how Tanasi Coates incorporated the Americops. Yes, nice nod to what's going on over in uh, Captain America, Sam Wilson. Yep, definitely making use of the shared Marvel universe. Yeah, um, but we get to really follow along with Misty Knight, and it's cool because you know Misty Knight. We've seen her in year over the years, is like heading up her own Heroes for Hire, or hanging out with Sam, and and really like running his operation and doing all kinds of cool stuff. But here, it's her being the cop yep. and being awesome and just super cool taking no guff and trying to get to really what's going on in the situation situation around Ezra's death um, both from both sides of it because she is a cop she feels very close to that side of who she is and her job her duty her the, the feeling she has for her line of work but also her community who's very torn over this situation and she meets with Ezra's family uh, there's this one character who's there and is sort of like you know the you, whole time I was like is it yeah is it is it, is it who is I think it, it is it must be right um, but they I, you know kudos to uh, Ta-Nehisi for kind of playing it out like it was a little bit of a mystery like he did skirt around the fact of uh, Missy Knight never actually saying this character's name and her revealing herself in a splash page and it was pretty cool. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Uh, but Misty detectives the hell out of stuff, figures out that there's more to the situation than, than she thinks, that anyone is really talking about. Um, and when she's starting to really hone in on things, the Americops show up. Yeah. And they're just the worst. They are the worst. Yeah. There's but, the splash page I was Yeah, the big, about. beautiful splash, splash page. page where one of our other uh, main characters, main parts of the crew, officially introduces themselves into the issue, and things are really moving forward. Uh, I love this issue. Great first, you know, establishing shot out of the gate with tons of new characters, really cool stuff. Fits very well into just the vibe of Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Of but it's a very different book than what Tanahasi is doing sure. in Black Panther. But like know? I was gonna say, it fits very well into the vibe of uh, what we've seen from Black Panther and his, you know, like what he wanted his crew to be about, yeah. helping him out with these things, with uh, Misty and what she's been doing with Sam yeah. in Captain America, and the vibe of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. It just yeah, yeah, yeah. it fits in really well. It fits in as like an urban crime story. Yeah. Um, it, and with, that's very different than what ta doing over in Black Panther, where he's telling a very political story, you know, a lot of... Uh, castle politics and stuff like that but this is just he's he's really stretching he's an incredible writer yes. he really uh, is taken to comics and it's, it's like great. a horse to water yes and it's great because uh, what we're also going to have is a co-writer yeah. Jonah Harvey who is going to join and they're going to flip issues correct? Oh, I didn't know that yeah it says so I read it in the comic book yeah. <laughs> um, it says she and Tanahasi read are, a lot of comic are going to be trading scripting duties every other issue oh, cool. of the opening arc. well Yona worked on uh, World of Wakanda yep. did a great job there so that that's a that's a treat for all of us yeah and there's just there's a cool letters page where you get a little bit from uh, from the team and you get to see even a sketch of Misty Knight by Butch Geis who always great to see him working. Trey Cool yes Butch Geis is a delight another delight 
Light, Silver Surfer number 10. Seriously, this book was just charming, okay? This is written by Dan Slott, uh, art by Mike Allred, colors by Laura Allred. We've got Silver Surfer and Dawn cruising through the galaxy, checking out new stuff, when suddenly Surfer gets summoned by some crazy, like, Herald call that I guess he still has installed in his brain by Galactus. (laughs) By Galactus. But if you've been reading Ultimates, this is Galactus, the bringer of life. So you get Galactus in his cool yellow and white costume. He has a job for the surfer. He says, basically, look, I'm no longer a force of destruction. I am now a force for good. And uh, there is an object that has separated, and it needs to be brought back together. Um, and if it's not brought back together, it puts the whole universe in peril. So basically, Surfer's like, well, I can I can do one half of this. I, I can take one half of the uh, object and get it back to where it needs to be. But who's going to take the other half? And Don Greenwood steps up and basically says, I'm going to do it. Uh, she gets on Toomey and rides him to one end of the universe, where Silver Surfer's on the other end of the universe. The art, of course, great as always. Um, Those beautiful, like, double-page splash yep. story, like, for storytelling's sake, it just incredible and just look at this great shot of galactus in the middle separating the two stories uh, just the the storytelling is like you said incredible um we get dawn and silver surfer on opposite ends of the universe and this is where dance lots writing kicks in and it's just like they're maudlin like oh we miss each other so much uh it's just it's just so great and then silver surfer makes a demand of eternity and the way that they solve all this is just beautifully put on a splash page. Uh, this is going to be a shorter review because I don't want to give away the particulars yeah. of what's going on here. But um, we get a really cool Eternity appearance, really great final splash page. It's a done-in-one. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's really, like I said, charming. Charming book. Charming issue of a charming book. Great yeah. job. Um, all right. We've got my next pick is Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part five of Till Death Do Us, written by Christopher Hastings, art by... I didn't Ibon. say that right. What? You gotta say Till Death Do Us, part five. Um, uh, it's too, it's, the moment has passed. Yep. Uh, written by Christopher Hastings, art by Iban Coelho, colors by Guru Effects. And, you know, for this issue is... There's a lot of like little character things that yeah. I absolutely love about it. A lot of things that made me giggle. Yes. And, and I like to giggle, Ryan. I... I heard this about you and then a lot of just really neat little world stuff Mm -hmm. in here um just like the monsters who have taken over new york city just them talking to each other they're fun man i could read tons of it so much of it um and so you've got deadpool and spider-man who have gotten Dracula back from his Dracula home yep. and they're taking him to New York City to lead his vampire army up against the monsters and Shikla. Uh, while that's going on, the Mercs for Money are mostly sleeping. The only one who's not <laughs> is uh, Machine Man, who is just Christopher Hastings writes a great machine man. Have we explained the whole sleeping dynamic? Maybe. Everyone's asleep. Everyone's asleep. That was uh, There was a machine that Shikla used. The Sandman. The, the Sandman. Mr. Sandman. Yep. Let's uh, be confused with ECW Sandman. No. There you would. go, guys. That was our wrestling talk for the week. Yes. Um, we've got the, the Sandman has put all of New York City to sleep, and now the monsters are in control. But Machine Man, who's not a human, doesn't have to worry about that. Doesn't worry about it. Doesn't he's, go to sleep. Yeah. He's just hanging out. He's like, I'm going to take care of things. There's a great scene of him, you know, 
blowing horns and whistles and and making tons of noise to try to wake everybody up, but he has to science it to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got dead uh, a little device that has been created that keeps Spider-Man from hearing this and falling asleep. Deadpool, on the other hand, just has big headphones on. Yep. It's just a great, fun gag, so he's shouting the entire yep. issue. Um, there's you know lots of monster designs amazing monster designs on skateboards there's vampires being jerks uh, always i love just the idea of the vampires just they're kind of the jerk kids in the playground yeah, for sure and it, it's so fun um we've got uh dracula coming back and getting the vampires back under his control big fights in the middle of new york city and then shikla goes all out monsters up to to you know thrash and fight the machine uh, that's keeping everybody asleep. Machine Man does what he needs to do, but ultimately things take a turn that probably should have been probably should have like, seen it coming. These, the heroes should have seen it coming. Yeah, I'm just saying them. this is on them. Yes, but it's great. I love this crossover. It's a great crossover. It's a lot of fun. Also a lot of fun, no surprise here, Unstoppable Wasp number four. If Unstoppable Wasp comes out, it's probably going to be picked by one of us. It's hard to not. That's just the way it is. It's written by Jeremy Whitley, art by Elsa Charretier, color art by Megan M. Wilson. I just talked to Jeremy last week on this very podcast about Wasp. He was previewing this issue. Um, We started out with Nadia trying to recruit another scientist, another female scientist for her girl initiative, but Instead, she runs up against Pound Cakes. And uh, along with Pound Cakes, we also get Letha, two of the grapplers. And the cool thing here is we get to see, by her interaction with the grapplers, two very distinct sides of Nadia Pym. You get the very optimistic, uh, believes everyone can be helped side, where she tries to talk um, pound cakes out of what she's doing, trying to get her to say, understand, like, hey, look, this crime thing's not going to pay for you. I can help you. Things are good. And then when things go bad and things go south, and Jarvis gets introduced to the equation, and um, Letha comes into the equation, we see Nadia just flip a switch and become the scariest M effort in the Marvel universe. Because she's got Red Room training, y'all. Yeah. She was trained to be an assassin. What I love about what Jeremy does, and Elsa illustrates so beautifully, and Megan Colors so beautifully is that she basically step by step takes out these two characters systematically we see what an amazing fighter she is she's like on the level of some of the best fighters in the marvel universe but she explains every little thing she does and it really hit me because i'm like so used to this character being so cheerful and so happy so when she's talking about like oh you can easily break the nose because there's only a small bone in there and that will cause someone to tear up and she's doing it so mechanically it's it's really bracing but it really had an emotional effect on me um and like the most of the age and then she goes right back to being like sweet nadia pym she falls asleep in the car jarvis takes her home she wakes up she has a meeting with matt murdoch who she calls matt modoc yeah before that please one of my favorite panels is a simple one it's mm-hmm. here at the end um she has just like woken up yep she's she's got to get ready for her the meeting with matt modoc and she falls down and it's just a really simple panel of her just... Her smiling. Yeah, I was just it's like, great. man, that's just so freaking charming. It's so charming. You're right. You're absolutely right. I should not gloss over that. She has a meeting with Matt Murdock. That goes great. Then she has another encounter with uh, her old friend Ling. And Ling is uh, very interesting because she is, you know, she's as smart as Nadia. She's got the know-how too, but she actually gets the drop on Nadia. And the thing about Unstoppable Wasp so far is 
she has been unstoppable. No one's really been able to stop her except for Ling, who seems to be the one person who not only can get the best of her in terms of out fighting or out thinking, but also just has this emotional tie. And uh, the stakes get raised to huge proportions at the end of the issue. This felt like three stories in one. Again, the first story was incredible. Uh, the other two are great as well. We've got more great backup material, meaning more female scientists on the letters page. It's it's just a it's a delight. Unstoppable Wasp is unstoppable when it comes to being one of our top books almost every time. If you're not reading it, I don't understand how you function as a yeah, human. Yeah, seriously, that's it's we've we've recommended various books over the years. Sometimes you guys catch on to them sometimes you let us down big time uh this is one i hope you guys take to because it's a quirky book um, i'm sure it's finding its audience but we wanted to find a wider audience if you enjoy superheroes or if you just enjoy good stories unstoppable wasp was a great book and it's one of those books that it feels like you get every every sense worth it's, yep. it's packed with content and art and like thing it feels like oh i spent my money on this and it's a really packed book full of cool stuff, lots of material, lots of things to look at. You know what I mean? It's No, absolutely, you know, some, man. I some books you fly by through and you're, you it's know. The, it's, I mean, I always say Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is, is a yeah. hefty read uh, because of all the notes and stuff like that. It's, you're right. It's the same thing with Wasp. There's so much art. There's so much writing. There's so much story. There, It just, you feel like you're getting your money's worth. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And I'll also say, you guys are always asking us, what's a good starter comic for someone you're trying to get into comics? I would say Unstoppable Wasp is great because it makes good use of the Marvel Universe. Uh, it's a substantial read, like you said, and it's just a comic that I think people will really enjoy. Yeah, and it's also, she's just joining the Marvel Universe. Yep, exactly. So it's that you also have that aspect. So well. when you get like two pages of Daredevil showing up, that's the fir- that's your first experience with Daredevil, and um, that's her first experience with Daredevil. Yeah. So we're getting to see it from there. Or like when Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur showed up, or Mockingbird. It's just great. Could talk it about is. it all episode. Yes. All right. On to Guardians of the Galaxy number 19. What a whopper. Yeah. What does it say on the front? Uh, Bendis's big time bye-bye blowout. Yep. Only Bendis gets something like that on the front. <laughs> uh, well, first, got to give a shout out to Arthur Adams on mm. this amazing, amazing. Arthur Adams and uh, probably Richard Eisenhoff. Yep. Maybe. Uh, nope. Cover by Jason Keith with, Rich, oh, with Arthur there Adams. You go. Um, beautiful art here. Just two page wraparound cover of the Guardians facing off against Thanos. Uh, but this is a big one. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Valerio Skiti, with color by Richard Eisenhoff, but with guest art from a host of different people. Yeah. Phil Noto, Ed McGinnis, and Mark Morales, Kevin McGuire, mm-hmm. Sarah Pacelli, Andrea Sorrentino, Arthur Adams. Mark Bagley and Andrew Hennett. How does Mark Bagley have time <laughs> to do this? He had like a minute between finishing up all new X-Men and that starting man. up Scarlet Spider. And he was like, you know what? I'm bored. He is a Look. treasure. He is a treasure. Uh, and then Felipe Andrade. Just tons and tons of cool stuff going Felipe on. Felipe Andrade was kind of a nice switch because the thing with Bendis is like, you know, Bendis has like his Bendis row of artists. Yeah. And it's always cool to see all of them. They're all great. They're all immensely talented. Yeah. But Felipe Andrade is not someone who I'd associate with uh, Bendis previously. So that was kind of kind of neat to see him step in there. Yeah. Just my two cents, man. For sure. For just, sure. Uh, just saying what I feel. Hey. All right. I like it. Okay. Uh, but this opens up with uh, In the Negative Zone. And there's, there's cool bit of language 
UN, which is shaped like a hand. I don't know what yep. that's about, but I love it. Love it. I want to hang out there. Yeah. Uh, got, no, you don't want to hang out in the yeah. negative zone. Uh, you got Annihilus, a brood queen, the leader of the Badoon, um, all trying to pitch Thanos like, hey, join up with our team. We're going to be really cool. We're going to get matching jackets. And we're going to go out <laughs> and we're going to blow up the Earth. The Earth is the worst. And um, they basically their pitch is, you've got a lot of muscle. We've got some muscle. Let's put it together and stomp on the, the humans once and for all. And uh, But they're very like, let's blow up the Earth. Yes. And he's very like, let's subjugate the Earth. Yeah, he's like, so. I, I need to have that Earth yeah. under my thumb. Yeah. And they're like, that's probably not a good idea. I yep. mean, this Never happens works. all the time. Yep, we've seen this. He's like, nope, I will only do this if you let me have Earth. And they're just like... Okay, well, <laughs> what are we going to do now? Uh, and then we flip over to the Guardians, where you've got uh, Rocket and Star-Lord talking to Captain Marvel because... They've been trapped on Earth they've for trapped months now. They're annoyed. Rocket's like, none of your spaceships can do what we need them to do. What is wrong with you people? And Captain Marvel conveniently says, well... Maybe we've got something. A spaceship graveyard. Yeah. Rocket's like, are you kidding me? I can make a million spaceships out of sp other spaceships, uh, which is great. But then, boom, down comes uh, all hell will, will eventually break loose. We get a cool montage, a couple scenes of various members of the Guardians from uh, recent stories all coming together, talking about what they're doing, where yep. they're going. Not just the core Guardians either. We're talking Kitty Pride thing, yeah. Agent Venom, yep. um, Angela. Yes, uh, and it's cool, but then boom. Did you know that was the Phil Noto page? Which I had one? to go back and look. The one with all the ships that you just flipped past. Oh, is that the Phil That's Noto the Phil page? That's the Phil Noto page, because I, 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 it drove me nuts going through the first time. I couldn't figure out where the Phil Noto page was, so I had to really look at like the numbers of the pages and count it out, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that makes sense, because yeah, yeah. the next two are definitely look exactly. like Andrea Sorrentino. Exactly, but oh. I wouldn't have guessed that, because I'm so used to seeing Phil Noto draw people that when he draws all these crazy it's space awesome. creatures, it's totally different, but yeah, I thought great. that was a neat touch. It is a neat touch. So you've got... You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you've got all kinds of cool-looking spaceships coming down to Earth. The most they all look like sharks and yeah stuff like bugs that. Bugs and bugs and, and sharks. What are the the things that the Akanti? The Akanti, yeah. the, the space whales that uh, the brood. The brood has taken over. I hate the nasty brood. jerks. They're jerks. Jerks. Uh, but the, the best is like there's this broadcast across everywhere from Thanos says people of Earth. Hi. Yeah, I know. That one, I was <laughs> like, this seems so out of character, but I'll allow it. Yes. It's so charming, I'll allow it. It's great. And he's basically saying, hey, we're just here to help out. We're going to like take care of some business, and then you get to live your lives. We're just going to like sort of work together. Yep. It's going to be great. you got to think, at this point, I don't know how aware general humanity is of Thanos, but... He's got to figure there are enough people on Earth who know him and have dealt with him extensively that if he broadcasts like, hey, guys, seriously, I'm here to do good. Hey, it's, no it's your one's, friend T-Dog. Yeah, yeah. Just coming by. It's all T-Bomb. Yeah. Like, no one's no one's going to listen to that, no. but he does it anyways. Yeah. Uh, he's basically like, I just, first things first, we just got to get rid of them Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they're the problem. Yeah, that's That's all. why I've tried to destroy this planet before. Yeah. Uh, there's just... Lots of funny, quirky stuff between all the Guardians, between visual stuff, dialogue. There's this giant run-on uh, sentence where uh, Star-Lord is basically, like, freaking out about Thanos and, you know, not in the mood for any of this crap. Uh, Drax being ready to punch 
Thanos in the That's what he face. does. It's beautiful page. That's what he was built McGinnis for. McGinnis and Morales. Yep. Oh, it's awesome stuff. Um, there's this one moment where Drax kicks Thanos in the in the jubblies. Yeah. And nothing happens. Yeah, because Thanos uh, doesn't have any. Oh, that's why he's so mad. Yeah, that's why he's so angry all the time. It's, it's a bummer. Um, Poor guy. But just pages of fighting and awesome stuff. Beautiful art. Big old throwdown. You get to see all the artists come in here and, and do their thing. You get to see the various Guardians members have their way. Uh, and, oh, yeah, there's also the rest of the invasion force. Mm-hmm. What's what's going on with them? Well, um, Angela shows up. Yeah. And this is just amazing Angela action in here mm-hmm. where she gets to uh, the head of the, the brood queen, takes her down, and then basically broadcasts to the rest of them just the most terrifying, menacing, scary message. A warning that says, look, I've already killed one of you. I will hunt you down if you don't leave right now. I will bring my friends Mm -hmm. that are as guardians. I will bring my family. I'll bring everything. And uh, we will all... what. I will bring a war of madness and hellfire upon you and your offspring that will never end. Then I will step across the blood-soaked battlefield and kill each and every one of you with my bare hands. All while my sisters and brothers of Asgard and Earth laugh into what is left of your faces. Get out. Leave. She's the best. She's the best. She is the best. And writes a great answer, too. So good. Um, While that's happening, Rocket is figured out spaceships from the spaceship graveyard um it's just really fun stuff and finally it's just thanos versus the big old crew of the guardians mm-hmm. of the galaxy you've got the the amassed team um where and gamora who's been out of the fight a little bit she was being held in captivity because she was getting a little crazy yep. about what was going on with thanos she was hurting people she was in captivity she's now let loose to take down thanos that's a really cool moment for mm-hmm. her. It's re- really great stuff. Uh, just neat little bit of wrap up at the end, and we see that the core guardians, uh, Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Star Lord, and Groot, are going off into space. Yep. Uh, and I gotta say, the the last final page, back in the negative zone, is a wonderful way to end it. Then you get two pages of Brian Michael Bendis saying goodbye and talking about how awesome it's been yep. it's, it's fun it's, it was, a, it's, it's a good little essay it was a really definitely worth reading fantastic solid end to this run um, and I'm super excited for what's coming next for yep. the Guardians it's going to be great X-Men Blue number one uh, written by Colin Bunn art by Jorge Molina and Matteo Bufagni colors by Matt Mila this to me was just this was fulfilling the promise of resurrection which is they've been saying you're going to have the X-Men as you like them classic stuff this is the original five. Uh, the camaraderie is great. The banter is great. And they're taking on classic foes. They go up against Black Tom Cassidy. And of course, where Black Tom is, the juggernaut is not far behind. Love uh, what... Yeah, so did yeah. you already give the creative key? Creative yeah. Key? Oh, okay. I love what Jorge Molina yes. and Matt Miller did with Juggernaut. Dude. He looks awesome. His design now, he's got these like... these. I don't know pipes at the back, yeah. and he's got a, a some like gray in with the red. Looks friggin' amazing. This is the perfect Black Tom and Juggernaut are the perfect like hard enough like 
you you can't easily stop the juggernaut. Some would say he's unstoppable. Mm. Um, and Black Tom adds enough little spice that it's impressive that the X-Men can take them out, especially the original X-Men, who are very, you know, different power levels. Then it's not an army. This is a, a strike crew. Uh, we got interesting stuff going on with Angel, with Jean Grey, with Cyclops, maybe some bone zonery there somewhere down the line. But it's just great. Um, I would say smooching as they seem to be yep, underage. Under right, Probably fair enough. just smooching. Fair enough. You know, holding hands, Smooch- going to the movies. Smoochery. Looking at each other longingly, texting. We get a twist at the end of who is uh, in charge of the X-Men. Now. That was, I was like, what? That was pretty cool. And then a not really a backup story, but a meanwhile uh, mysterious thing going on up in, I, I, we would presume, Canada. Sure. They don't say Canada, but there's it looks, a lot of snow. There's a lot of trees. snow, and given what happens, oh yeah, uh, well yeah, it's got to be Canada. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a Wendigo. Yeah, so that's a Canadian thing. There's a Snicked, and uh, there's a guy with claws who is not old. Not old man. Not old, old man, man Logan. Logan. Let's say and that. Not, and not a lady, so he's not uh, a so, Wolverine. Y'all better read yeah. this. And then we get some teases at the end for. Uh, Another snicked, a meetup with the original Generation X team, apparently. Uh, something with the future Brotherhood, who we saw way back in Battle of the Atom. And something to do with Professor X. So, man, X-Men Blue is going to be a book to watch, yeah. for sure. Yeah, a whole lot of fun. All right, so those were our three picks. Quick hit time. Quick hit time. We've got Amazing Spider-Man number 26, written by Dan Slott, art by Stuart Eminem and Wade Von Grabadger and Marte Gracia. Uh, It's Spider-Man, Silver Sable, trying to fight the goblin. Just Simcaria is a mess because of Green Goblin, because Silver Sable was not around to really Mm -hmm. right the ship. And uh, now Parker Industries is a mess. Spider-Man is basically a mess all around. Yep. As you like it. As it should be. It's great. Uh, And even the budding romance with Mockingbird. Not so great. Yeah. We got some issues. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, number six, written by Jerry Conway, art by the great Ryan Stegman. Mm. I mean, felt dirty. It's a beautiful uh, <laughs> issue. Colors by Jesus Abertov. Uh, the X Men guest star in this issue, and uh, they bring with them uh, Magneto and a new Brotherhood. But basically, what happens is, as we all know, Peter Parker raising a family in this reality. Uh, things are a little different. There is an X Men school, but some some characters have gone different ways. And uh, Professor X is trying to convince uh, Peter and Mary Jane to enroll their daughter in the X-Men school, uh, the Xavier school, uh, Jubilee, big character in this issue, Wolverine and Jean Grey together have a baby. I was, I was like, I was like what? This, this is, is crazy. Great. Yeah. It was all over the place. Uh, the bad guys show up. I like Cyclops who here having been dumped by Jean is not so much like, Hey, professor X, but I, there's an interesting twist on professor X's agenda and, uh, why maybe him wanting, uh, go no, on. no. I, like yeah. if, if you could spin out a whole X-Men book yeah, absolutely. from the, like the few pages in here. Yeah. It's very cool stuff. Um, 
Spiderling comes face to face with Magneto and a shock, and it's all crazy stuff, man. Yeah. All right, we've got Captain America, Sam Wilson, number 21, written by Nick Spencer, art by Daniel Cunha and Rochelle Rosenberg. This is, this is one, a big uh, step yeah. in terms of getting to Secret Empire. Hugely important. Uh, there's a little bit of Steve Rogers in here, and there's a... like Just enough. Just enough, and you're just like... Uh, but Steve! It, it's all about Sam and, like, reflecting on where he came from, what he's done, where he's been recently, and what his future holds. And it's it's beautiful, it's sad, it's heartbreaking, um, it's got really great moments in it, but um, it really sets the stage for, well, he's not going to hold the shield anymore. Mm. You can see that on the cover. Right. The shield is bounced. It's an homage cover. Yes. So when uh, Steve Rogers gave up the Captain America identity back in the 70s. Yep. Um, but there's also hope within these pages. Uh, new characters, new possibilities. So yeah, great. Sure. This was a, one we all, both of us almost picked. Yep. Speaking of one we both almost picked, uh, Deadpool versus The Punisher, number one, written by Fred Van Lente, who I feel like we haven't had enough Fred Van Lente. We certainly have not. So it's good. Art by Perry Perez, who is also very underrated. Colors by Ruth Redmond. Uh, we've got Punisher, basically, uh, he, he tries, he invades or goes undercover, I guess, in this bar called Versus, which is where low-level bad guys get together to watch good guys fight each other and place bets. Uh, Punisher tears through that place, gets a lead on a guy who moves a lot of money for criminals and also for mercenaries. That's how Deadpool gets involved. The thing I love about this is that Deadpool is basically like the cool uncle to this guy's kid, uh, has a great relationship with his wife. So these are Deadpool's friends. So when Punisher comes after them, there are real stakes for Deadpool. It's not just, uh, you know, a job. These are people he really cares about. And uh, people get caught in a crossfire. It's pretty dirty and pretty nasty and pretty ugly. Uh, Deadpool and Punisher both are worse for the wear by the end of the issue. But Deadpool is really worse for the wear after the final panel. And uh, I don't know where this book is going. Like, I almost, I, I was reading, I was like, oh, is this a one-shot? Because it seems like they kind of wrap everything up. But I'm, I'm excited to see more of that. It was really fun. Yeah. All right, we've got uh, Dr. Afra, uh, number six, written by Kieran Gillen, pencils by Kev Walker, uh, inks by Mark Deering, colors by Antonio Fabella. And this wraps up the first story arc uh, where Dr. Afra and her dad are going looking for the like the ancient Jedi citadel of Rur and finding the immortal Rur, which turns out to be the eternal Rur. Oh boy! Um, but it, it's just cool because you got this ancient Jedi stuff that is really neat stuff to find out about in the Star Wars universe. You get actually really nice stuff between Afra and her dad. Um, Afra flirting with one of the Imperials, saving yeah. everybody. That was fun. Yeah, um, we get to see. Um, the resolution of her business with uh, with Chrysan- Black Chrysanthemum because yep. he bounced on her Beast. last issue. Uh, but we also Ghosted. get to see um, that she's not, you know, she's, you may think she's going down the right path, but she's no. still, she's got her way. She's, she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and this is going to lead us into the Screaming Citadel. Yeah. Over. 
Very exciting. Yeah. Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, number seven, written by Robbie Thompson, pencils by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez and Guillermo Ortego, colors by Jordi Belair. Isaac Newton is a jerk. He has unleashed mindless ones on New York City. The Sorcerer Supreme team up with the Avengers, who I love seeing drawn by Javier Rodriguez. Uh, we get an interlude at Night Nurse's place. We get a nice interaction between Luke Cage and Howard the Duck. Uh, always nice to get some Night Nurse action. And then we go back to the fight where uh, the mindful one may prove the key to this whole battle. But uh, Isaac Newton's got all sorts of tricks up his sleeve. He's bringing back up from all over the place. Uh, great splash pages, spreads. The art is impeccable. The colors are tremendous. Um, what a beautiful book. Yeah. Also a beautiful book, Kingpin, number three, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Ben Torres, uh, layout artist Mark Laming, colors Jordan Boyd. Uh, we've got a little bit of Daredevil in here. You've got, um, you know, all kinds of interesting stuff as Sarah Dewey, who is writing a book on Kingpin, is starting to dig in a little bit more. She's getting perspective from people who've known Kingpin for a while. She also gets perspective from a little man named Tombstone. Yeah. Which is... Love me some Tombstone. Love some Tombstone. In here, he's great. Yep. He's terrifying. Uh, and she definitely feels threatened. But also, there's there's cool stuff with her and her family. Well, I shouldn't say cool. Some riveting stuff with her and her family. I think Tombstone is like my favorite B-level Spider-Man villain. Hmm. Because he's definitely not hmm. part of the A-list, but he's not like a D-lister either. Just kind of put that out there and okay. let it float. Okay. Yeah. I like how he can bounce around, too. He's, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, got, he's got a good Very versatile. Uh, but he, The family stuff in there is great. The family stuff is really, really compelling. Um, and at the end, um, Tombstone really makes a, a play. Yeah, sure does. Uh, Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number 18 adapts the animated series. In this case, it's adapting the episode Come and Gut Your Love. Great title. Uh, written by Eric Carton, directed by Jeff Weemster, and adapted for us by Joe Caramagna. So go check out the animated action. Yeah. I've got Mosaic number seven, written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Bruno Oliveira, uh, colors by Emilio Lopez. So this sort of sits right in the middle of IVX. Mm -hmm. Perfectly. Right, sort of at the beginning. Through the middle and at the end of IVX. You get Mosaic's perspective on the events of IVX. And you IVX get Mosaic just shamelessly macking on ISO. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's like, God. hey, girl. Yeah. You look this pretty today. <laughs> Is that a bow in your hair? That's my, for some reason, uh, my David Lynch impression yeah. is how uh, Mosaic sounds in yeah. my head. No, that makes sense. Okay. They're very alike. Great. Uh, Mosaic can be anyone. Why not David Lynch? That'd be great. Uh, but we really see Mosaic bounce out of all the Inhuman stuff for a little while, try to get some semblance of what was going on with his life beforehand. Things aren't the way he wants them. And he does, he finds himself wrapped up in some weird superhero stuff. Over in Old Man Logan, number 21, it's the start of the Past Lives uh, story arc, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Eric Nguyen, uh, color artist Andres Mosa. Logan has been transported back in time. He went to the villain Asmodeus to put him forward in time to the wasteland so he could save Bruce Banner's grandchild. As if that's enough to follow. Uh, instead, he gets bounced back to the War of 1812. He was there, of course, as a young man. He 
has a time travel device that he needs to get back from the people he's fighting. Uh, there's all sorts of action. There's all sorts of chaos. The art is crazy. Then he ends up jumping forward in time to the Weapon X days, and he's just... It's crazy because he's in the tube with his time travel device. Yeah. He's like, I just got to snag it. Uh, I just got to get it. Um, and then while he's traveling through time and collapsing all over the place, Asmodeus is raffling off uh, his body, the body of old man Logan, which is just uh, sitting there. And then at the end of the issue, Logan gets dropped into a very iconic appearance uh, that we are all familiar with. Yes. All right. We've got Power Man and Iron Fist number 15. Sadly, final issue. issue. Bummer, bummer, bummer. So good. Uh, Written by David Walker. Art by Sanford Green and Lee Lowridge. Uh, It's the big throwdown between uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. uh, Their team, uh, their friends. Senor Magico. Senor Magico uh, against uh, Alex Wilder. Alex Wilder, man. Out of control. We finally figure out what is going on with him. Get to the root of how he's back. The root of all evil. Kind of. Yeah, um, essentially. All that stuff. Uh, tons of, you know, Black Mariah's in here. Various characters show up. All on different sides. Just giant pages and pages of fighting. Cool stuff. Friendship and, and Friendship funny business. Friendship is dope. Um, it's, it's terrific. This was an incredibly satisfying end to this story. Um, and we get to see that, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more of... Uh, these characters, uh, and there's a great ending to the Heroes for Hire side of things. Yeah, uh, sure. I definitely hope we see more of that. Yeah, and we'll see more with uh, David F. Walker and Luke Cage uh, in his new book, Luke Cage. And then, of course, Iron Fist. Uh, you look at me like I like you don't know what I'm talking about. I, yeah, I yeah. guess I didn't realize. Yeah. It's David on the last Wa- page, though, right? David Walker is writing Luke Cage. Yeah, and so Nelson he will Blake the second. Yeah, is the artist. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. So it's coming soon. (laughs) That's coming soon. But already here is Spider-Man 2099, number 22, written by Peter David, art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. In this issue, Spider-Man, not Peter Parker, Miguel O'Hara, needs to get some information out of Electro 2099. This one threw me for a loop. Yeah, I definitely... They, they lead you one way and then take you another here. Uh, Miguel's assistant, or what would you call her, his holographic aide, Lila, gets involved. And uh, Electro, basically, as a half-machine person, tries to appeal to her like, hey, you're a slave to this, this human. Let's bust out. And mm, how do you say the rest of the issue without spoiling the twist? <laughs> basically, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of machines working together there's a spider-man versus electro fight not everything is as it seems and just when you think you know the answers they change the questions let's leave it at that yeah um all right we've got unbeatable squirrel girl number 19 just so good it's Mm -hmm. as we talked about so packed um the animals are being controlled by melissa who is just She's evil. Mm-hmm. She's just not a she's not a good person. She's controlling the animals, and she is at odds with Squirrel Girl. Uh, she's making bears dress up in outfits and fight yep. and do all sorts of things. Um, she's she's just causing chaos all over the world, uh, particularly for Squirrel Girl. And um, 
I don't know. I don't want to give too much away because yep. it's just a fun book. It's tough, man. Yeah. This, what we do here is tough, guys. This is not easy, all right? Yeah. We deserve a lot of respect and appreciation for what we do. Sure. Um, finally, for me this week, I got Unbelievable Gwenpool number 14, written by Christopher Hastings. Artist Miesha Haynes, newcomer. Uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Gwen is trying to get her buddy Cecil back into his own body out of his ghost form. She jumps in a bathtub and ends up on the other side of the country dealing with dwarves. So we've got Gwenpool and Cecil out in Los Angeles where they run afoul of Kate Bishop who is trying to figure out what's going on with this group of dwarves. Uh, Ghost Rider shows up. It's crazy. It's not so much a three-way team up. The, the dwarves get bazookas. Um... <laughs> A bunch of arrows get fired at Ghost Rider and just bounce right off him. Such a fun issue. Yeah, just seeing kind of the interplay between these three characters and their supporting cast as well. Gwenpool trying to pull uh, uh, what she did with Jane Foster in the first issue, or second issue, on Kate Bishop. Doesn't work as well. Um, and then at the end, a serious twist that could uh, throw everything into disarray for our favorite Gwenpool. Yes. All right, last issue of the week is Weapon X number one, written by Greg Pat. Art by uh, Greg Land, Double Gregs. Double Gregs. Uh, art double, by- double, you're a Greg, man. <laughs> Greg Land on pencils, inks by Jay Leiston, colors by Frank D'Armada. And uh, it is brutal. There's a lot of blood, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things cutting, mm-hmm. there's gross people turning That's what you'd out- expect from a book called Weapon X. Sure. Gross people uh, turning into violent murder robots yep. uh, with giant Why are they claws. gross people? Uh, because the they're normal people who turn into giant robots. I mean, it's a people face on a robot body. That's, That's true. gross people. No, they're gross once they transform. You're, I thought you were saying like they're already gross. I think they're gross. Okay. Uh, but the Weapon X program is going and trying to harvest genetic material from various uh, mutants. We see that they've already got Lady Deathstrike. Uh, they're going after Sabretooth. They're going after Old Man Logan. And it is brutal and creepy, and I love it. Good stuff. Yeah. All right, guys. Collections on sale this week. Amazing Spider-Man The Clone Conspiracy is out in glorious hardcover. Be sure to check that out. Avengers The Complete Celestial Madonna Saga. All that great stuff with Mantis from the 70s. Black Panther A Nation Under Our Feet Volume 3. Captain America Steve Rogers Volume 2 The Trial of Maria Hill. Enchanted Tiki Room out in hardcover. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy In the Year 3000 Volume 3. I stole that from... I stole that from Cerulli already. I'll be reading that (laughs) hopefully soon. Uh, Marvel Masterworks Captain America Volume 9 Hardcover and Runaways Volume 3 The Good Die Young. Yeah, digital digital stuff, uh, what we talked about, as well as Captain Marvel 1 through 24 from the original uh, Marvel run. Yep. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 51 through 62 from the 90s series. Mm -hmm. Spider Girl 1 through 24 from the 1998 run. What is that, the original? Yeah. That's the original series. That followed after the what if, right? Yes, sir. Ah, that's awesome. Uh, Spider-Man, Black Cat, Evil That Men Do, one through six. Yep, that's Kevin Smith, baby. Oh, yeah. Kevin and, Smith um, and Terry Dodson. And the Dodsons, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, digital collections on sale this week. We've got Amazing Spider-Man, The Clone Conspiracy, Avengers, The Complete Celestial Madonna Saga, Black Panther, A Nation Under Our Feet, book three, Captain America, Masterworks, volume nine, Captain America, Steve Rogers, volume two, The Trial of Maria Hill, Enchanted Tiki Room. Guardians of the Galaxy Classic in the Year 3000, Volume 3. I thought you were going to do it again. Nope. Marvel Team-Up, Volume 4, Freedom Ring, Mary Jane, Homecoming, 
which is great. Yeah, great uh, stuff. Wolverine, the best there is. Broken Quarantine. X-Men, Angel, Revelations. That's an underrated one. I, I don't remember that That's, one. That's uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, oh, yeah. uh, creator of the new show Riverdale. I've heard of it. Um, and art by Adam Polina. Wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Give me some of that. And then Extreme X-Men, Savage Land. Yeah. Freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited. This week we've got all-new Wolverine number 13, Amazing Spider-Man number 19, Cage, exclamation mark, number one, The Cat from 1972, issues two through four, Champions number one, Deadpool, Back in Black number one, Deadpool, Too Soon, Infinite Comic number seven, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money number four, Death of X number one, Doctor Strange number 12, Enchanted Tiki Room number one, Invincible Iron Man number 14, then from Marvel Fanfare 1982 series, issue number eight, issues 10 through 13, issue number 19, issue number 29, issues 34 through 37, and issue number 51. Fanfare, they were like magazines with cool art, right? I think so. Yeah, so it was it was mostly like, like an like, hey, check out this book, and yep. this is something cool, and then here's awesome pinups and yep. really cool art from artists, and you're just like blown away by like it. Like covers. I know one of these is the classic George Perez uh, Black Widow cover. That's so good. Um, all sorts of good stuff. Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution number four, Scarlet Witch number 11, Shauna the She-Devil from 1972, two through five, Spider-Man 2099 number 16, Spidey number 11, Squadron Supreme number 12, and Uncanny X-Men number 14. Yeah. All right. All that good stuff. We're not going to give you any news. No news this week, but I do have uh, an interview with Tom Engelberger, oh, who cool. wrote the Rocket and Groot All Ages Prose Novel. Yep. So we'll throw to the West Coast. They'll get their news on. Then we'll go to Tom. Then we'll be back for your questions and comments. Cool. Bye. It's the West Coast. Show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast. Show me the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, baby. Hello, Marvelites. It's your favorite West Coaster, Christine Din, with Strom out of the office all week. And I'm about to be out of the office this Thursday and Friday. You're getting a solo show with just me. No guests. Sorry, games and animation. The big news of this week, we released the official Thor Ragnarok teaser trailer on Monday, along with its poster showing off your favorite Asgardian god in his gladiatorial garb. As you know, Thor Ragnarok picks up after the events of Avengers Age of Ultron, where and somehow Thor ends up imprisoned on the other side of the universe on this barbaric planet without his mighty hammer. Um, he finds himself in a race against time to get back to Asgard to stop Ragnarok, the destruction of his home world, and the end of Asgardian civilization at the hands of a powerful new threat, the ruthless goddess of death, Hela, who looks pretty badass, by the way. But first, he must survive a deadly match that pits him against his fellow co-worker, the Incredible Hulk. So yeah, so that was pretty amazing. I watched it on repeat on loop pretty much all of Monday. So if you haven't checked it out, head over to our YouTube, social, wherever. It was all over the internet. Um, and then as we inch closer to the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 release on May 5th, we shared a fan event with Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, and director James Gunn kicking off a world tour in Tokyo this week. And then moving on to the world of television, this week we see more of the framework in the latest episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Where we last left off, Coulson has his memory triggered and he remembers Daisy. So now Coulson, Daisy, Simmons, and Ward, um, you know, meet the Resistance and the leader of the Resistance. I won't spoil it for you, but it was um, 
it's pretty bananas. And then on the latest episode of This Week in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Strom, he chatted with the new designer, costume designer, Amanda Riley, about what it, like, what went into creating a new Hydra world. And then in the world of animation, this Saturday in Disney XD, starting at noon, we've got a five-park arc of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. What I can, what can I tell you guys? Um, you know, there's an adventure with Gamora leading the Guardians and her sister Nebula on a mission to infiltrate the Believer flagship after she was infused with the power from a Nova helmet. We have two episodes featuring your favorite space dog, Cosmo. So yeah, tune in this Saturday. And then last but not least, what do we have going on in games? Hark! That's Guardian Harold Angela descends upon the Marvel Contest of Champions Battle Ram. So head over to Marvel.com for an interview with Kabam about her abilities and what else we can expect from Odin's oldest daughter. So yeah, I think I ran through all of this pretty quickly. But as I mentioned, since I'm recording this on a Wednesday, there may be more news that hits, so stay tuned to Smart.com and our social channels for all the latest and greatest as it happens. So now I'm going to kick it back to the East Coast. And now welcome to This Week in Marvel, our very special guest! Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of This Week in Marvel. My name is Ben Morse. I am the Editorial Director of Digital Media here. And I am joined by Tom Engelberger, the author of the Rocket Raccoon and Brute novels that have, prose novels that have come out. Tom, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So I want to talk first about your background, how you got into this, how you got into the whole writing gig. What got you started in writing and specifically uh, kind of the genre that you moved into? Because I know you've done Star Wars. You've now done two uh, Rocket and Groot novels for us. How did you get started in this? Well, uh, actually, I always wanted, you know, always wanted to draw comics. Right. And forever. Mm -hmm. And uh, but I wasn't very good at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, as you can tell when you look at my artwork, it's terrible. <laughs> it's pretty good, man. That's better than I could do. But somehow when uh, when it worked out that in the book it could be uh, illustrated by a raccoon, mm. then my all of a sudden my artwork seemed appropriate. Yeah. You know? So uh, that's really the way I've come at everything. Um, I'm not really a good writer. I'm not really a good artist. Uh, but well, I'm, you, you make do. Well, I make do, and I'm having so much fun that yeah. I think lots of times the kids end up having fun. So that's what happened with uh, Star Wars. You know, nobody's going to get me to write the story of Darth Vader, mm -hmm. but the story of a nerd that makes an origami Yoda yeah. and takes it to school and sticks it in everybody's face. Yep. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, no problem. So how did you specifically get tapped for the first Rocket and Groot book? How were you approached for that, and what was it like? Well, um, I, I did get to to write some Star Wars, uh, and so I had started working with Disney right. books. And um, right as that was just getting off the ground, they said, well, after after you finish the Star Wars book, would you like to do uh, some superheroes? Yeah. And I, you know, I just don't, I'm not a, I can't, I don't know, I can't be like a, a Captain America writer right. or um, an Iron Man writer. And so right. I was like, I don't know. I probably couldn't do that. Yeah. And then they said, well, it's Rocket and Groot. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm 100% on board. <laughs> I can totally write Rocket and Groot. I, that's that's what I was born to do, yeah. you know? And uh, so, of course, I, I went back and I read my classic uh, Rocket uh, and uh, by Bill Mantlo, you know? Yep. and um, old school. Yeah, and I went back and you like know, read Manola. that. Yeah, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, the, that uh, that four episode uh, arc they did yeah. in the 80s. I missed it when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm friends with uh, 
Tony DiTrelizzi, the uh, Dungeons okay. & Dragons and Spiderwick artist. Okay. And he was like, dude, you got to go back and read the classic great stuff. stuff. Yeah, 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 he was so right. And so I was, I just got so excited. Yeah. And, um, and then... There's so uh, there's so much possibility in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. You know, most of the books I've written have had pretty strict rules of some sort, and all of a sudden, there's like no rules. You yeah. know, everything is possible. You have to explain it. You have yeah. to build up to it. But just about anything is possible. So the characters of Rocket and Groot, you were just—I mean—that's that's a great place to start with the uh, the Mantlo Mignola miniseries. But how did you find the voices of Rocket? And it's kind of a joke to say the voice of Groot, yeah, because he says so few things. <laughs> but there is something to that. You do need to know a little about it. How did you find the voices of Rocket and Groot for the first book? Well, uh, of course, the movie helped. Yes, you know. the movie. I sort of help. had a voice in my head, and then the movie came out, and I was like, "Oh, that's a little different. He's okay. got to be a little, you know, the 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 original Rocket. Uh, you know, he sort of had a, I don't know, it's almost a Shakespearean, you know, yeah. bent to him. Oh yeah, and he was um, very serious. Yeah, and the new Rocket was a little more, you know, crazy and uh, offensive. <laughs> and uh, of course, it was important for me because of the age group I'm writing. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't go around having him uh, cussing a blue streak the whole time. Did you want to? Um, No, you don't have to answer that. Well, I ended up coming up with all these crazy things for him to say instead of... Well, he has Instead like a of bunch what he of says in the, in the comics. He has like a bunch of fake curse words. Uh huh. Yeah. Did you, did you get to use any of those? Yeah. Well, um, what I ended up doing was I ended up coming up with a uh, a running gag of him using different animal parts oh, each time nice. around. So one time it might be you know holy platypus lips, <laughs> and the next time it might be um, you know squirrel toes. Yeah. Um, and I just uh, he's he's just the greatest character. Yeah. And he, I feel like. There's a part of me, I mean, I'm just a wimpy guy who would never blow things up. Yeah. But there's a part of me inside that understands that reaction to everything. Yeah. And so I always know what Rocket's reaction is going to be right away. And, you know, he's just going to be outraged every every time something goes wrong. Mm -hmm. And so in my books, everything goes wrong over and over and over again (laughs) until until Rocket finally comes out on top. There you go. So the first book, um, what was the name of it? <laughs> it's called uh, Stranded, Stranded on Planet, on Planet Strip, Strip Mall. I knew it. And it's a planet. It's nothing but one big strip mall. Yeah. Of course, when they land, they're like, we got to get out of the strip mall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, wait a minute. We can't get out. We're trapped here forever. Now we got the second book, which is Keep on Trucking. Yes. So what is the concept behind Keep on Trucking? All right. Well, on that one, they land on a planet. And of course, everything's, you know, it's it's uh, our civilization taken to the extremes of the future. Mm-hmm. So they're on a planet where everything is self-driving cars. Mm. Uh, and it's controlled by one central computer. And uh, the uh, computer is accidentally, instead of downloading the latest upgrade, it downloaded every uh, trucker movie from the uh, 20th and 21st nice. centuries. And so... Give me some examples. Well... I grew up loving Dukes of Hazzard yeah, there you go. and Smokey and the Bandits. Nice. And then kids today are growing up on Mad Max and Fast and the Furious. Right. So basically, anything I wanted from any of those things, I would just grab. And that's that's what the car, cars and trucks think is the correct thing to do now. Mm-hmm. You know, if they <laughs> need to get to the other side of town, driving through a building, you know, flying over buildings, anything, they, they don't care if they get there alive or right. not. Um, and so... 
not only are all the cards and trucks crazy, but the central computer has decided that Rocket and Groot must die. Whoa! So every plant, every it's very car, extreme. <laughs> yes. Every <laughs> car on the and truck on the planet is it's trying after to ki- them. It's trying to kill Rocket. And yeah. Groot. So their only hope is to steal a dump truck, rip out the computer, and then drive it crazier than. Smokey and the Bandit would, or nice. crazier than Mad Max would. Nice. You touched a couple times about you know writing this for a younger audience, writing it for kids. How different is that? Like, how does your brain kind of flip when you're thinking I'm writing this for an all ages audience as opposed to writing something intended yeah. for an older group? Well, the truth is because of my background, I never write for adults. Sure. So I don't even I I don't know if I could flip the switch I to bet you adults. Could. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But I uh, yeah I I feel like I I, mean, I go out to schools all the time and I see kids. And I tell them, I actually do an exercise with them where I draw a rocket and I say, well, what happens to rocket next? Yeah. The stuff they come up with is bonkers. It's awesome. I mean, we did one yesterday to school and it ended up with like Donald Trump eating, a giant Donald Trump eating rocket and Groot in space. Sounds and a, amazing. A unicorn showed up. I can't remember. It's Third just, book, man. Yes, Third it could book. happen. It could happen. So, um, so I just know that I, I feel like what the kids want is relentless mayhem and and just the craziest ideas and so I try not to reject an idea because it's too crazy Mm -hmm. like I wanted to have a beaver attack Groot on this planet (laughs) and so it's a giant beaver of course big enough to eat Groot why wouldn't it be right yeah and uh, because it's on this planet of all these cars and trucks it's actually on the back of a big tractor trailer oh my god so they're they're driving their their car and this giant beaver is uh, is chasing (laughs) after them and it's its own truck. Yeah, you know, it just anything. It's, anything can happen. It's so much fun. What What are your favorite aspects of the Rocket and Groot characters? Like, what What makes them appeal to you? Wow. Well, I like <laughs> I like the fact that. You know, Groot is always going to be there to be like, you know, Rock is going to say something like, yeah. let's just get out of here. Yeah. And Groot always says, I am Groot. And you yeah. know, it means, no, we can't leave. We've got to help whoever, you know. Yeah. And and that's fun. They're a great balance for each other. Mm-hmm. And then I actually, I added a third character mm. uh, based on based on some of the comics. Uh, I don't know if you remember some of the comics. Rocket talks to some kind of de- handheld device. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so I decided to take that step forward and make that handheld device a character. Sure. So it's actually a tape dispenser. Nice. And uh, oh yeah, it's in, the, that. it's in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's a super intelligent tape dispenser with all these different modes. Mm-hmm. And uh, her name is Veronica. Nice. And so she and Rocket argue all the time. Yeah. And uh, and and but she and Groot love each other. You know, they're <laughs> like they're always on the on the right side. They're right. always the ones who've got to convince. And it's just. It's so much fun um, just knowing that Rocket is always going to be ready to escalate. Yeah. Whatever the situation is, escalating it is his answer, yeah. you know. And then Groot and Veronica have to sort of roll with it and deal with it. Yeah. You had said you don't picture yourself as like a Captain America writer or an Iron Man writer or anything like that. But now that you got a couple of Rocket and Groot books under your belt, do you feel like there are other Marvel characters you'd like oh, to tackle? Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I was always a huge Fantastic Four fan. Oh, yeah? So I would love to write something. You know. Yeah. My favorite side fact, even when Fantastic Four, is always the Thing 2-in-1. Because mm-hmm. every, every yeah. month. Yeah, the Marvel 2-in-1. Yeah. Yeah. Every month. You never know what you were going to get. Sure. And often the cover would be completely misleading. Crazy. You know? Crazy. You have no idea what yeah, you're yeah. going to get. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm hoping for a chance to do the thing someday. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, there's going to be some. Uh, there's going to be a little cameo appearance, we think, in, in book three. Nice. We're hoping by it, not by the thing, but uh, by somebody else. So book three is already in the works. Well, I'm working on it, and yeah. um, and uh, it's also going to be crazy. The thing yeah. is, for each book, I try to be like not worried about the next book. I mm-hmm. try to be like, I've put every crazy idea I can have into this one book. Right. So then when the next book rolls around, I've already got this high bar of of insanity mm-hmm. that I have to try to reach up to, you know. Nice. So uh, so I'm, I'm trying to ratchet up uh, the craziness again because the, I, this book two, Keep On Trucking, I mean, I threw everything <laughs> I could into it. It's just bonkers. Talk to me about, unfortunately, we're not on video here, but you've got your uh, Rocket and Groot number six variant cover that you drew. Talk to me a little about this. How did this come together? It's awesome. I love it. Um, How did you get approached to do this? How did you come up with the concept? I, I still can't believe it. It's absolutely crazy because, you know, as a kid... A teenager having this dream of someday I'll get to work for Marvel, mm-hmm. and then you get a little older and you're like, okay, that's not going to happen. I'm not, I'm not good enough. That'll never oh. happen. And um, you're very hard on yourself. Well, I'm not very good. I like this a lot. <laughs> I think this kind. is great, man. You're very kind. Come so anyway, on. so so one day you get this call and they're like, would you come up with a couple ideas for yeah. a variant cover? I was like, I can't believe this is yeah. happening. I can't believe it's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I came up with one of uh, how to draw a rocket yeah, yeah, yeah. as if you, if you were a rocket. Yep. And um, and then when they asked me again, I was right in the middle of the Keep On Trucking book, so I wanted to take an element from that, but but not do it exactly the same. So in the, in the second variant cover I did, it's, Groot and Rocket running away from a beaver on a motorcycle. I love this beaver. Man. <laughs> this, this beaver is going to be the breakout character of 2017. Maybe so. Really? I'm okay. predicting it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So um, you've gotten to write Rocket and Groot. You've gotten to draw Rocket and Groot. You're hopefully going to get to do something with the thing. Any other dream jobs that you're oh, still boy. trying to think of? Wow. Well, someday, you know, origami is, mm-hmm. is where I got started on all this. Crazy. Someday I'm hoping they'll let me put some origami on the cover. Oh, of, yeah? And not a variant. I want a real, <laughs> I want a real comic. But that's, uh, that's, that's, the dream. that's the crazy dream that's right the there. Dream. But yeah, origami on a variant cover. Cool. I'm, I'm really hopeful for that someday. Cool. Where can people pick up the, uh, the new book? Oh, the new book should be available everywhere. Mm-hmm. Fine books are sold. Mm-hmm. And, um, kids out there may find it on the Scholastic uh, Book Fair when it comes to their school. Great. Great. And uh, where can people find you online if they want to uh, chat, talk? And online, I'm at origamiyoda.com. And not only can they find me, they can send me their origami or their bad drawings of Rocket or good drawings of Rocket. Do you get upset when a kid sends you a good drawing of Rocket? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) They're so much better than I am. It's so crazy. I often feel like, oh, man. Too humble. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. We're back. We're Welcome. Back. Wow, what a road trip that was. Wow, all the way there and back again. Yeah, like the Hobbit. Um, <laughs> all right, time for this week in Marvel questions and comments. Questions and comments. You can send them to us using the hashtag this week in Marvel on Twitter or through the email twimpodcast at marvel.com. Uh, let's see. First up, 
Andrew Autry says, looks like Ben and Ryan of This Week in Marvel aren't the only wrestling fans out there. Uh, <laughs> to a hmm. panel from Aunt May, uh, watching some wrestlers grapple. I think I have this issue. It's great. I swear. <laughs> it's it's uh, awesome. It's awesome stuff. One of my favorite things at Disney World is uh, the Carousel of Progress. And there's one mm. section where the grandmother, like the grandfather falls asleep and she's like, you're asleep? Okay. And then she turns on wrestling. Yeah. It's great. Perfect. Um, Andy Bates says, I've been listening to a lot of old This Week in Marvel podcasts. I'm so sorry, Andy. Mm. He says, I've saved up some consonants and I can ship to Strami whenever. Oh, boy. hey Zing, 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 zing. Don, DJ Fanko says this. Danny comes in, makes uneducated business decisions, and suffers no ownership of the consequences. Hashtag fail. Talking about Iron Fist? I guess so. The TV show? Yeah. Well... You know, or Iron Fist the comic. I, yeah, just Iron Fist. I would, I would venture to say, Danny Rand has not always been the best businessman. No, that no, is terrible. Sort of man. like his thing. It's his thing. He, yeah. has, he has a lot of money and doesn't spend it very well. And and doesn't manage it very historically well. in the comics too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. He says, uh, loved my bit. On this week of Marvel podcast, read Darkwave. Used to stream Retro Waves channel for improved motivation at work. Yep, it's, it's good music. Might as well be Greek. Beeps and bloops and some synthy bits. There you go. You know, listen to some John Carpenter, and All then right. we'll talk. Old Jody at Tolkien fan forever said, "Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Homecoming, Ragnarok, shut up and take my halfling currency." Hashtag Fellowship is dope. Uh, it's a, t- a Hobbit reference, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, Tolkien fans are the best. Right, right. Okay. You shut your mouth. <laughs> so we got Joshua Cooper, Commander Socket, coming at it with uh, Love the Last Page of Hulk number four. Really conveys the bigness of the thing that Jen is up against. I do want to give a little shout out to an article Justin Snyder did this week on Marvel.com where he went to a clinical psychologist, not Tim Stevens, a separate psychologist. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, she's great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what's, it's... Uh, uh, I know uh, her by her Twitter name, I know, we Arkham can't Asylum say, yeah, Doc. Yeah, yeah, whatever, I, I guess we can. We can. We, we can do whatever we, we want. We tweeted it out, so... Yeah, um, yeah so she she uh, gave her take on Hulk, and it was fascinating. Yeah. I read the whole thing yesterday as I was editing it. It was a great job. She does a podcast. Yeah. I think she's in a relationship with a friend of mine who works at... Uh, a company they make DVDs they do cool um, cool stuff but anyway really smart really interesting yeah, very uh, smart. analyses absolutely uh, more from Josh we got sorry Earth 8 but a universe where both Gwen and Peter are alive can't possibly be a real universe that's from Spider-Woman number 18 who do we have to talk to to get Glob Herman on the X-Men Blue team? That would be Colin Bunn, who you tagged here. Mm, so uh, mm. you're all set. You did it. It's going to happen. <laughs> Love the brief, brief history of the X-Men at the end of X-Men Gold number one. Really helped give a backstory to what looks like a rich book. I was like, I was reading the history and I was just blown away how they condensed all of X-Men history down into a few pages. Because that is nuts. I mean, there's so much they left out, but they picked sure. all the right stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was really impressive. It's almost like... They're Marvel people. Yeah, what they know what they're doing. Um, love the clickbaity line on the cover of Spider-Man number 15. Very old school in a find-out-in-this-issue way. Yeah. Kelsey Knobloch says, Despite Agent M's recommendation in This Week in Marvel for Pocket Casts, I suggest the free Pocket Addict for Android listening. Bo- pocket Podcast Addict for Say Android listening. Say that five listening. times fast. I will Don't not. Don't do it. No. Um, cool. Whatever works for you, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's great. 
Find whatever you need to listen to your podcast. Kelsey says, not sure where all the hate for Iron Fist is coming from. It's the only pre-Defenders Netflix series I can enjoy. Hmm. Sure, there's a place for gritty realism, but I've been to Marvel because of the mind-blowing superpowers and escapism. That's why Iron Fist is so great to me. A visible, badass power that distracts me from the problems of the world. Sure, the other Defenders and realism have their place, but too often real equals depressing, and I get enough of that day to day. Fair, fair enough. Everybody's got opinions, and I'm glad yep. you know the people who like it like it. And if you don't, we've got plenty of other cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey asks, has This Week in Marvel ever done a Twim URC on Avengers Fairy Tales? No. I just found it on Unlimited and can't get over how fantastic it is. We've not. No. I don't even remember. I Like, I can picture some of the covers. They're it's all, it was all C.B. Cebulski. Right? He had X-Men Fairy Tales, too. And then Avengers, I think, was the sequel. Ah. Yeah. Well, look at that. Good stuff. Maybe we'll do that at some there point. There you go. Uh, if we can find, you know, get CB, you know, settle down here in the figure States. Figure out the, figure or out the if time I to, zones. If I go to and, yeah. China for some reason, then... Go talk to him about yeah, it. Yeah, we'll talk to him about it. Um, let's see. Kelsey says, I see what you did there. It's X-Men Gold number one. And he said the title. He said gold. We did that. All right. The Legends page of X-Men Gold number one is pretty great. Actually, the whole issue is effing amazing when you get down to it. This is exactly the facelift the X-Series needed. I love the 90s X-Men series as a kid, and Gold feels like coming home to that. Nice. Kyle Charles, Johnny Timpulse, finally caught up with both Captain America titles, and damn, I feel sorry for Sam, and Hydra America is bananas. You ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, baby. <laughs> but Elfie Cat says, so excited to see a bunch of Marvel fanfares added to Marvel Unlimited this week. Some great stuff in those issues. Yeah, I definitely, if you got Marvel Unlimited, which you should, mm-hmm. you should totally check that out. The fanfares, yeah, they're added to Unlimited. Yeah. Okay. I was getting my wires crossed. We talked about that like five minutes ago. I read it myself. I'm just reminding myself. Okay. They were okay. remind, They were added to Unlimited and said cool, the cool, app. Cool, 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 all the info on yep. offhand. Uh, maybe Strami can get you that info. Yeah. Tweet at Strami, which he you did, did he in your them. next one. Oh, yeah, you did it there, too. Good job. I love Christine's candid laugh at Strom's bad jokes on This Week in Marvel. So all her laughs at Strom, because yeah. all his jokes are going to be bad. Terrible. Yeah. Just terrible stuff. I love all the little details in the 15 seconds. Defenders teaser, the timestamp, the IP address, all of it. Good. And did Christine call Mjolnir Meow 2 on This Week in Marvel? <laughs> did she? I don't know. You don't know? Probably. I don't know. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. Yeah. Uh, Christine's the best. I she say is. that all the time. She's incredible. She's she's the greatest hire we've ever made. Ever. I won't disagree. I, I put her above myself. Um, Robert, Captain Rogers 44. Nick Spencer does it again with Captain America, Steve Rogers Wait. 14. What? Do you want oh, to, Re- you Ref- skipped, I'm sorry, you skipped our boy Rob Nolan. I'm sorry, Rob Nolan. Here we go. Ref Gemlin. Are we ever going to see Avengers Assemble Season 3 Ultron Revolution come to iTunes UK? Wow. A lot of people asking for uh, international international distribution. I would assume so in some hope. way, shape, or form. I don't have any information. Especially if you're, if it's Season 3. I'm presuming you've already got Seasons 1 and 2. So surely Season 3 will get there eventually. Don't call me Shirley. Okay. Fair enough. Enjoying the additional creator interviews on This Week in Marvel, although beware the muffled phone quality. Some are so hard to listen to. Apologies for that. Uh, we'll do our best, but I'm glad you're enjoying them. Yeah. 
it's hard because everybody doesn't not everybody's set up to yeah. record so uh, a lot so of times we, it's just we, we make try. do with what we have yeah but sorry for the low quality uh they don't all have an angelica doing their sound for them Right. Look at that pose. All right, Captain Rogers 44, Robert says, Nick Spencer does it again with Captain America Steve Rogers number 14. Secret Empire is looming large just waiting for the turn. Mm. Steve Rogers has gone from the world's greatest hero to its most devastating enemy, and Nick Spencer made it make sense. Mm-hmm. He says, Black Widow number 12 was an amazing ending, ending to an unbelievable run by Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Thank you both for the journey. So good. Uh, Robert says, Mighty Captain Marvel 3 is on point for this week. Great writing again by Margaret Stoll. Carol looks to have some rougher days ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Yep, that's comics. Make it hard for them. Uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America 15 was great. Nick Spencer continues weaving an amazingly elaborate story for Steve. I'm intrigued for what Nick Spencer has in store for Secret Empire. It was also satisfying seeing Skull taken out for now. For now. I don't know. Well, I, he's well, died like 50 times. Yeah, dude. It don't don't bet on the red. Don't bet against the red skull. Ugh, that's the worst. The worst. Uh, Jessica Jones 7 was great as always. Feeling sorry for Jess. Hope her and Luke can work it, this out at some point, but who knows. I... I feel for them. Yeah. I think they can do it. Um, Robert uh, tweets to the team of Hawkeye, says, Y'all are killing it with Hawkeye number five, giving us the PI team up. We never knew we needed. Could be a nice little picture of uh, Kate Bishop and Jessica Jones teaming up. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think Robert, you tagged Leo Romero, but that's uh, Michael, Michael Walsh. Walsh page. Yep. Michael's doing two issues. Two on, issues. Uh, so freaking good. I love him so much. <laughs> yes. Uh, Buffy, Buffy, Pais, Buff, Buff Pison 67. 67. RP67, that's a different Twitter name. Yeah. Like the, ad, uh, that's new. So that's why I got thrown off. Yeah. It's and fair. RP67. No one can blame you. RP67 says, I had no idea Clark Gregg played J. Jonah Jameson back in the 70s. Yeah. And there's this picture of Jonah with, is that Kazar? Who's the woman? It's Gwen Stacy. Oh, it says, oh, it's it so says wonderful Gwen. to have you back, Gwen. Yeah. I, I, mean, I have I don't get it out of context I have no idea out what of this context is. this panel is wild it's a wild panel but what do you what does he mean about the Clark he thinks Craig thing? he, he I, thinks it looks like Clark you, Craig yeah if you look at Jonah from a whole certain far away like you're doing yeah, yeah. you can kind of see the Clark all Craig three of us are now holding the papers out in front yeah, of us yeah and squint squinting. a little bit you can yeah, definitely sure. see okay, Clark, why not? Clark Gregginess yeah uh, mm-hmm. speaking of Clark Gregg you should watch the latest episode of Thwip the Big Marvel Show we were on oh, set serious episode of Thwip all the, the episodes show. but this week's that just went out we're on set for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. set we had a bunch of the cast come by uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Is Clark Gregg one of them? He is. That makes sense that you uh, tied that in then. I know. Good job. Um, RP67 says, hasn't anyone learned yet? Do not trust robots. Talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and he says, said no one to their wife ever. And he pulls out a page of uh, Silver Surfer. Yep. Just some John Buscema stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah. Great classic stuff. Yeah. Um... S.J. Creed and Seth Sixary. I think I know how Ben James wants Royals to end. Hashtag R.I.P. Crystal. What, what more is there to be said? You know, it's, it's the way it's got to go. That's fair. Uh, Simon Williams, Simon Sebs. Who is breathing heavily into the mic on this week in Marvel number two eighty one during the Nick Lowe interview? Kind of distracting. We'll assume it was me. I'm the worst. Um, trying to uh, trying to get better at that. Hopefully, there's been less heavy breathing in this episode. Our microphones are so good. 
so good that it picks up everything. Everything. But uh, Angelica just says, said, "said the breathing's good." I've been I've been really working hard this episode not to breathe <laughs> out of turn. Yeah. So we'll hopefully it'll work. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the opening arc to World of Wakanda. I hope. Roxanne Gay gets more work at Marvel if she wants it. Um, she should definitely get more work at oh Marvel if she wants it. She's excellent. Uh, World of Wakanda is a great series. Hellcat number 16 was touching. Seeing Patsy work out her problems. I don't see why this book needs to end, though. None of us want it to end. I, yeah, I, but I, I think, I think the creative team brought it to a nice uh, conclusion. Yeah, they are in the process. Did of the doing story stuff. that they wanted to tell? Yep, absolutely. Um, reading totally awesome Hulk number seventeen and listening to this week in Marvel n- number two eighty one. I too wonder what Ben and Ryan would do if they were there. Oh, if we we're on that planet where everyone was using their practical oh, yeah. skills, I imagine. Ben's encyclopedic encyclopedic knowledge of Marvel, Marvel history would come in handy. Agent M could do accents until the enemy begs for mercy. Get on your knees, you filthy alien scum. Did you you don't watch Saturday Night Live, right? Oh yeah. Did you see Louis C.K. on this week? Yeah. And the Polish oh accent. Oh, oh my gosh. Amazing. They were breaking left and right. It, it was, was great. It was so hysterical. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that was the best episode of the season, by the way, in my humble opinion. I honestly forget most of yeah, them. Yeah, I do from too. Week to week, I do too. But that one I'm going to remember. I, I, it was I like a lot of the skits and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twim of the week for March 22nd, Black Panther number 12. Tanahasi Coates could teach a master class on writing comics. Goes without saying, I was very happy and very excited by that last page of Black Panther number 12. Normally, I like comics to have a lot of action. Hulk number four and Black Panther number 12 show you don't always need it to be great. Yeah. Reading Spider-Gwen number 18, I'm glad Miles and Gwen decided to just stay friends. For now. Yeah. Boom, boom. Shake the room. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I'm glad the sitting in a creek crossover is done. Sitting in a tree. I think I just said sitting in a creek. Um... Throughout it, I didn't see any real chemistry between Miles and Gwen. The storyline dragged both down both books and went on too long, in my honest opinion. Scorching hot take. I disagree because I really like those. Yeah, I thought it was fun, especially the it was a ending. Fun story. Oh yep. my gosh, yep. I loved it. Yep, you're the worst, Simon. No, <laughs> hey. we, we still love you, buddy. Although brief, I did enjoy the interactions between Storm and Lunella in Moon Girl number seventeen. I could see Aurora in a big sister aunt role in this book. Aren't the killer folks still running around Yancey Street? Is that going to be addressed again in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? I think about that every time you think I about read the shoe. <laughs> you going to say, I think about that all the time. Like when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> I'm like, it's the first get, thing. I need to get some water. Mm. What's up with the killer? The killer folks are still on Yancey Street. Yeah. Are they ever going to deal with that? Yeah. We don't know. Uh, Swim of the Week for March 29th, Spider-Woman number 17, an interesting new development, and now it's ending. Yeah, sad to see that book go too. Uh, reading Spider-Woman number 17, it's cool Jessica and Roger are together, but as he told his ex-wife and daughter he's alive yet, he'll get to it. You know. Priorities, man. You know? They got to do the, the, the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> Twim of the week for four five champions number seven. Honestly, the writing in America number two was better than the first issue. Good, glad you liked it. Uh, Jessica Jones number seven was the first time I actually found the character likable in the comics. Scorching hot takes left and right from Simon Says. Sure, burning it. Based on the teaser alone, Thor Ragnarok is shaping up to be the best film of the series. So, people, not just the series. I think yeah. it might be. From what I've seen, mm-hmm. what I know, what all the things that I have experienced around the film, it's the film I'm most excited about. Dude, Kate Blanchett, wow, just incredible. Just the the few seconds she's on screen, just. 
captivated me like crazy. I, I that's that's a tough character to bring to life, and she owned it. Yeah. She nailed it. You, there's so, so much good. we haven't even shown yet. Ugh. So much. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Tech Finish Lord Lex, Lex Pendragon says, "Why is Deadpool just casually hiding in a random Iron Man panel? <laughs> Why wouldn't he be?" That's great. Yeah, I didn't notice I didn't that at all. Yeah, I never. No. I, that's phenomenal. Stefano Caselli. You're a genius. Is the best. You're great. Uh, is Marvel playing Weir's Wade? I don't know, but that we was should. that's terrific. That's a great idea. Yeah, great, great on picking that one out, uh, Lex. That's, yeah, twenty-five that's twin points for Lex. Yeah, and uh, Victor C. Rocco has a little suggestion. He says he wants the New Warriors team to be Squirrel Girl, Dark Hawk, Kazar, and Zabu. Okay, Speedball, White Tiger, and Sun Girl. Wow, Kazar and Zabu is kind of a reach there. Not yeah. really. I didn't, was the, not uh, expecting those. The vibe. There you go. Yeah. And there's another great episode of This Week in Marvel. I, I, I would go so far as to say this was a classic. Sure. Why not? Yeah. You could say it. Again. Doesn't make it true. We really deserve just respect and appreciation yeah. and love for everything we do. I know. It's I might even true. be able to have lunch before my next I hope you things. can. That, that's, that's, that's my dream for you. Yeah. This is great. Right. We did it, guys. Fantastic. Nice job, Angelica. Um, so, little note. You're not going to be here next not week. Not going to be here next week because I'll find be someone to co-host with in me. L.A. for yep. the premiere of Marvel's Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Volume which two. means we will not be doing our Twim URC no. next week. We'll, we'll do it the week after. To the week afterwards. I have reserved time with one Bill Roseman. Yes. He is going to talk to us. He edited the Guardians of the Galaxy issues that we are reading. And we'll have a great chat with him. Yeah. And we'll just it'll be another great episode next week. You know? It's just going to be just the streak not, continues. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. The only streak that's still intact. This is Marvel, your streaker. <laughs>